Hello and welcome to Being Boss episode number 75. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Being boss in work and life is being in it. It's being who we are, doing the work, breaking some rules, and even though we each have to do it on our own, being boss is knowing we're in it together. Today, we are chatting with our boss boyfriends, Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook, all about podcasting. So obviously, being boss has been a huge part of our career trajectory, and we want to talk to Jason and Paul, who also have multiple podcasts now, which we'll get into, um, all about podcasts and how they've helped our business, how they've changed the path of our business, and how podcasting has changed the way that we all shape and share our content. One of the things that we're talking about here today in today's episode is sponsors and making money off of sponsors in your podcast episodes. And so I want to take a second to thank FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. FreshBooks is the easy to use software designed for creative entrepreneurs who don't really want to spend all their time invoicing and billing and capturing their expenses. It's such easy to use accounting software. I could not recommend it more and I actually use it myself. So it's really important if you're starting a podcast and you're looking for sponsors to really believe in them. So thanks again, FreshBooks. We love you guys. And we know that our listeners love you too, because so many of them are using your software now too. If you guys want to try FreshBooks, go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. You can try it for free for 30 days. All right, back to our episode. So welcome, Jason. Welcome, Paul. Yeah. Hey. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> okay. So for our guests who are not familiar with our boss boyfriends, can you guys give a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? Ooh, Paul, I'm going to introduce you. You introduce me. Oh, All right. All right. Paul Jarvis is a vegan living somewhere in Canada, destination unknown, covered in tattoos. He is a writer of multiple best selling books. I can say that about him because it doesn't make him sound douchey, because if he says, it does. Uh, I've recently actually convinced him to move away from client business, and he does product stuff. He's the creator of the Creative Class, which has been sold a million times now, Paul? Easily. Easily a million times. And Paul uh, previously invented the internet. Cool. Wow. Wait, and did we mention rats, that Paul has rats? Oh, sorry. Paul has multiple rats, is a lover of animals, and gardens often. And he's building a greenhouse right now. That's his biggest project. I am. I was actually building that today before this call. So, Jason, what can I say about my internet boy? He's my internet boyfriend, too. This is awkward. It's like a love this square. A, yeah, it's this, just an orgy right now. That's what's happening. All right. So, Jason basically invented sponsorships. He invented wearing T-shirts. He made a million dollars wearing other people's T-shirts. He's written... One book, I think. One book. One book. You're actually in the process of writing another book. Yes. I know this, and I don't know how much you can say about that. You have done quite a few courses. You host the Action Army, which is a podcast and a newsletter. And most recently, you started building software with me and a guy named Zach. Yeah. Okay, so Paul and Jason both have the podcast Invisible Office Hours, which is so good. Everyone needs to listen to it. Um, I almost feel like it's the boy counterpart to being boss. Um, Even though all of our podcasts are open to all genders, it's fine. So today I wanted to get into talking about podcasts. And one of the reasons why is because the four of us are collaborating on a project together now, talking all about podcasting. Ooh. Yeah. And we'll I share like more it. about that later, but for now Bury we're going to share lead. everything we know here on this episode. Oof. Give it all that's away. A, that's a tall order. Right? Uh, I like How it. How long is this going to be, guys? Oh, it's going to be like four hours. No, one. If you one. want the full, the full four hours, you'll have to buy our program. Okay, <laughs> so you guys, I'm curious, Jason and Paul, was your first podcast Invisible Office Hours? Yeah. And then uh, why did you start that? Like, tell me the story about how Invisible Office Hours came to be. I think Jason asked me if I wanted to host a podcast with him. Well, yeah, we were, so Paul and I, we met on Skype and it was romantic. Cute. And 
So, you know, initially when we started talking on Skype, which I know was over two years ago now, we would just have conversations about our businesses and like the way we thought about things. And probably after like the 20th Skype call, <laughs> there were... <laughs> Okay, what you all can't see is right now we're all on Google Hangouts chatting, <laughs> and Jason's saying really sweet things about Paul, and yeah. Paul has like these little hearts floating out of his, his head. head. I don't that even was, know how you do that. That was amazing. I saw Emily laughing, and I was like, what is going on? And then I saw love. Anyway, so Paul and I were having sweet, loving conversations, but about business stuff and about life stuff, and I don't know, I think we just started getting into long conversations about, like, one topic, and and I, I think at one point I was just like, we should record these and share them and see if anybody else would give a shit to listen to them. I don't know if they would, but I just, I find it interesting. Like, I look forward to us getting on Skype and ranting about things. Other people might be interested and uh, and I think, like, Paul was super busy with client work at the time, and I was doing something weird, selling something weird as I normally do. And we were just like, let's do it. Let's keep it super simple. We're not going to have, like, all the bells and whistles of every podcast. We're not going to try and compete with anybody else. Just record our conversation. That's it. And put that onto the, the internet in a podcast. And that was really where Invisible Office Hours kind of came from. Yeah. And we decided not to have guests ever. Mm. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, have, than... we have one guest spot. That's waiting. Mm-hmm. Is it, it will, for us? It will always be available. Unfortunately, it's it's not. Paul, who's, who's our actually, Technically, they, they are going to be a guest if we're oh, that's true. airing something with them. So, yes, you guys and who's our only other guest we'll ever have, Paul? Tony Robbins. Just Tony Robbins. That's so funny. I think I've heard you guys say that before. Yeah. Well, it was either going to be Tony or I would have guessed maybe Oprah. Like... Those are I, usually... Yeah, I'd be... She, yeah, she I'd take Oprah, I guess, if I had to. <laughs> yeah. Only if she tweeted us and asked us to be on. Yeah. Gotcha. But if she sent an email, we'd say no. <laughs> no in the email. But yeah, so we don't, we don't do guests. We don't do... Uh, we, hadn't, we didn't do sponsors for the first two seasons. And that's also, I guess, something that's different about our, our show is that we do 12-episode seasons. And there's no rhyme or reason to that other than just we don't want to be doing a full-time podcast. We wanted to just do it in chunks and that we could be done and then take a break for a couple months. Because, you know, there are so many podcasts out there that are daily shows. I mean, it's, soon there's going to be an hourly show on of podcasting. Someone's going to do it. 72 minutes every hour. Yeah. And, and typically, just... do you guys record your podcasts like all 12 over the span of a couple of weeks? Isn't that right? Except for this last typically, season because we were yes. launching a product in real time. Yeah, this last season was real time, so we couldn't do that. But all the other three seasons, Jason and I basically carved out like two or three hours every few days for about two weeks and just bang them all out. And then we could just release them one at a time because our schedules are always really in flux. So yeah, we we would record that like just hardcore focus on the podcast, record them, and then just queue them up and, and knock them out as, as the release date because they come out every Tuesday morning. So I love that you guys started this way, like this cute little loving relationship and having these conversations that you just wanted to share. Like that's how Kathleen and I got like started doing this too. Same thing. And I kind of feel like that's that's one of the magic things about like these partnership podcasts. And I've heard lots of people talk about um, like after listening to lots of podcasts with one person versus with versus more than one person, like you tend or they tend to go towards the ones that are two people because the dynamic there is so awesome. So good. Glad you guys do that. Um, but you guys like sharing content is what you guys have done. For a really long time and usually in the form of writing. Um, I know that you both do lots of writing in all kinds of places. Um, but podcasts isn't writing. It's sharing content through speaking. So how has that how has that shaped your content either in terms of like the podcast or even how it's shaped some of the written content you do having a podcast? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think part of why it's different and it's more difficult for me to do audio than writing. But with my writing, I still read every piece I write out loud, basically to see if I sound like a jerky McBoat face. <laughs> like I need to see if my writing sounds like me, so I read it out loud. So the podcast is basically me recording me like talking out loud. Or when it's with, with the podcast that I have with Jason, I think... It's easier, too, because in the beginning, I don't think I could have done a solo podcast because I don't think I could have figured out how to 
just talk <laughs> straight <laughs> on a topic. But I think having a show with a guest where we can both kind of feed off of each other. And you ladies do the same thing. Like, I listen to your show all the time. You you feed off of each other. And you kind of know when one person's finished talking and the next person can kind of pick it up. And it just, it's so much easier to do a podcast that way. I have to do prep for my solo show because I, there's, no, there's nobody if I stop talking. It's just <laughs> silence. So with Jason, like, we don't really need to do any prep. Typically, we decide on the topic, like, as soon as we get on the phone with each other. Like, what do you want to talk about today, Jason? I don't know, Paul. Let's pick something. So I definitely felt that in the first... So you guys have had three seasons now of Invisible Office Hours. Four. Do you think that moving forward, it will still be like, what? Oh, sorry, four. So first season I could definitely feel that you guys were like off the cuff like let's talk about what we eat let's talk about death let's talk about just kind of stuff that friends talk about but do you feel like you're having to get a little bit more well maybe I'm not asking this as a question so much as stating like what I've experienced with me and Emily is that either we feel like we're saying the same thing over and over again or we're having to start to get strategic about the content that we are sharing in order to sell products or in order to make sure that our editorial calendar, as we grow this media empire, like the podcast is just one component of it now that we have to blog too. We just want to make sure that everything is consistent and cohesive. So for you guys, I know that you're constantly launching products. So has that kind of shaped how you create an agenda for your podcast or are you still doing it off the cuff? Yeah, I mean, I think looking forward to season five, I've been thinking a lot about like what, the thing that it runs together for all of our seasons is is it's our opinions. It's our thoughts. It's it's our unique outlook on the things that we do. So that that to me is the easy like lens that we put invisible office hours through. And then it just becomes, okay, well, what are the like topics? What are the overarching things? And you know, we did 36 shows of, about a specific topic. Now, obviously there's way more things we could talk about in the world, but like you guys, you know, do we want to say more things about like high level topics, you know, like startup culture and, you know, another topic about money or you know anything else? And I don't know that we do. If anything, we get a lot of really good feedback about the non sequiturs that we go on and the weird things that we talk about. And so I, I almost am of the mindset of like, let's make a whole season about weird stuff and maybe even play up on a little bit of like cultural things, but in a, in a complete different twist. So um, like a good example is we were talking with somebody about something and uh, Panama Papers came up. And so this was like a huge thing in the news. I had no idea what this was. I, I don't. I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I had no idea. And then Paul, before like actually hearing about it on some news show, he didn't know what it was either. So I thought it might be funny if we took like general topics that we've all heard of, but that Paul and I have no knowledge of, and then we could just talk about it. Like what? It, what is this? What could it be? And then maybe by the end of the show, one of us like looks it up and then gives the real answer, and it could be just a really funny thing to see. Were we even close? Like, do we have any idea? And now I don't know if that's a good basis for an entire season of 12 episodes of a show. Maybe that's a segment of the show. You know, now that we've done the fourth season, which was like a lot of different segments, a lot of different things, really pieced together, edited together. Now it seems easy to do like maybe one topic, one segment. So I don't know. I think for me, it's just whatever we do is just going to continue to be our opinions and our thoughts and not trying to like be the next serial or startup or any of these things. It's just it's us. And that's what makes it interesting. And we're happy to kind of keep it that way. Yeah, and I think that there was a bit of strategy only in for season four, only in so much as we needed to figure out what we needed to talk about when, because we had 12 weeks and we were also building software in that 12 weeks. But we weren't like, we didn't even really pitch the software. No. We were just talking about how, how we make it in the first place. Yeah. I think a lot of people told us from that, that fourth season, and that could be another way that our next season goes is maybe there's something else that we want to build. You know, maybe there's something in the fall, because that's probably when the next season will happen, that we want to work on together. And that that becomes like, okay, this is now the story of building that. And it's nice because it, be, it becomes a built-in marketing channel. And for you guys, it's the same thing. Like anything you want to talk about. I mean, that's why we're doing this specific episode too, is we have something we want to talk about. We have something that we want to build together. And that this becomes the most natural way for us to do it. And this is our content marketing, if you will. You know, if you were to like 
put us in some bucket of you know how people explain things. This is a piece of content marketing. That's what we all do. That's what runs our businesses. But I think we do it in a way that's really congruent to who we are as people and that we're also interesting. And that's because we don't try and do things like everybody else and we don't follow other people's paths. We just enjoy being ourselves and saying, it's not going to be perfect. It's just the way we're going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that we're always kind of blending who we are into what we do. Like, we're not afraid to say, I don't know what the Panama Papers are. Or <laughs> right before we started recording this, we were all talking about the weird little nuances of how we organize our desktops on our computers or how we, like our creative process when it comes to business systems. But one thing that I want to mention about content marketing is that for me, I accidentally stumbled into content marketing with blogging. I was sharing the journey along the way of starting to freelance and had accidentally positioned myself as an expert freelancer whenever the only reason why I was writing about it is because I was just trying to figure it out and process it as I went along. And so I find that podcasting has been very much a similar thing. And I think that content marketing can get a bad rap now. I think especially with all the listicles that are out there and there are some kind of cheesy ways of doing it. I happen to follow a lot of people that are just giving away their gifts of knowledge. So whether or not you ever buy from any of us, you could look at any of our materials and pretty much learn how to run a business, how to write, how to market yourself in an authentic way, all these things. So I think it's interesting too, that like we've all found these revenues for sharing what we do, but then accidentally, but maybe now not so accidentally, make money off of it. Yeah. And, and I think a really interesting thing there is like you bring up a good point. I mean, Paul and I both write a weekly newsletter. I don't know how often you guys put stuff out into the world, but that basically boils down to two books a year in the amount of words that we write. So we give away two books a year of content and they're not set up that way, but you know, that's kind of the way that it is. I don't know. Maybe that should be a way that I market my email list is like, I'll give you two books a year in these weekly articles. Maybe, maybe that would help conversion rates. I don't know. I don't give a shit about that. I care about writing content that helps people and then putting my own personal twist on that. And I think all four of us know, and I think a lot of your listeners know, because I'm also very familiar with your show. I listen. I love it. It's, it's super interesting is that you listen because of the funny things that you guys say. You listen because of the uh, the strong opinions that you have. Not just the like, I don't like the term comment marketing. It's that I fucking hate the term content marketing. I don't like being said that like I'm a blogger. I'm not a blogger. Like I that that feels bad. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we've been so inundated with people who do that in like a sleazy way. And then it makes us feel like, oh well, we're getting lumped in that same kind of bucket with people. And I don't like being in buckets, Paul. <laughs> well, and I think like this brings me to this idea of like, and one of the reasons why I like podcasting so much is because like Kathleen and I could write the things that we'd say on this podcast into blog posts and no one's going to give a shit <laughs> yeah. more or less. I mean, like some people will, but I think that really the power of the power that we've tapped into in terms of podcasting is using our own voice to say the things that we want to say. It almost, it doesn't, does it give us more credibility? Because I don't think that's really the word I want to say. But it sure makes people relate to what we're saying so much more than if we had started had just started a blog saying the things that we are all saying. Like if you guys had posted a blog post about death, I can't imagine what the feedback would have been like on that. A lot of negative feedback. <laughs> right? But because you guys talked about it in a podcast and you guys are just riffing off each other and just sort of going there, it was kind of like a cool topic where everybody's like, yes, I'm glad someone's talking about this. Writing about it, maybe not. Talking about it, it's an okay thing to do. One thing that I experience whenever it comes to writing versus podcasting, and I still really love writing. I feel like I can get much more concise and I can really um, craft my point or my story in the way that I want to. I feel a little bit like a spaz podcasting. But one thing that I've loved about it is that with writing and especially blogging, I was starting to get really overwhelmed by haters. And I don't care anymore at all. But at the time, whenever we started the podcast, 
I had just had my baby Fox and he was maybe a year old. I was really uncomfortable about what I could share and what I couldn't share. And I feel like what podcasting has given back to me is the ability to be candid and to blend more of my personal life into the professional stuff. So even if I'm not blogging about Fox, I'm more likely to talk about him here on the podcast just in passing because for someone to invest an hour of their time to like hate on me, that's a big investment versus someone just reading what you're saying. It's really easy to, I think, misunderstand and dehumanize people whenever you're reading their written word. And I think that that's what I love about podcasting is, is it has brought back a little bit more humanity and personality into my business. And that's what I love. Personal branding is my jam. So, And I think that's why our podcasts excel is because we're not afraid to do things the way we want to do them and to be ourselves on our show. Cause I know a lot of people who've started podcasts who are just get bored or that if it peters out because they're like, okay, I need to have this type of guest. The show has to be like this. And like, I can hear them read, like I've been on a lot of shows like that. Like I can hear them reading questions and it's like, if it's not fun, do something different. Like Jason and I have a show that has 12 episodes a season, random number. We don't have any guests it's the two of us talking for 60 minutes. We, it rare, we rarely edit it in terms of cuts unless there's like an audio problem. My doorbell And rings. it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody steals your Fitbit from your front door. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> things happen. But I think that it's finding what works for you. Like being strategic about it, sure, if, that's, if you want to eventually monetize it or something like that. But it's figuring out how it works for you. Even like Jason and I have solo shows and it's just, for me, it's just me talking. Jason intersperses other people's stories and other audio as well. But it's like, you can run your podcast however you want is your podcast. Like iTunes lets you put up anything, pretty much. <laughs> so one thing that I admire about you guys and why I like hanging out with you so much is that you're constantly creating new products and putting out content. And I'm just so curious about that because... I feel like I've been brought up in a way that it's all about niching in and narrowing in on your expertise and really staying focused. So I'm curious for you guys, how, I mean, okay. The question is like, how do you stay focused with what it is that you want? Are you just following what feels good? And you're like, that would be fun to make. And specifically to get more specific with this question, what made you decide to do solo podcasts and how does that either supplement your business that you're doing outside of invisible office hours because you guys collaborate on so many projects. Like, I'm just curious, what is the, what is the map of that look like? I wish there was a map. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. See, I but wish I, there was but a I map. have a map. So that's where we're different. That's what's fun. So like, uh, I, tell I me started, about your map. Yeah. I start. I, I made my own, I wrote my own map. Like I started my own solo podcast called the action army because for one specific reason, I was writing articles and those articles after a couple of weeks, they go, they're gone. Like they live in like the, the ether of my website and very rarely do people find them unless for some reason they get picked up by organic search for, for who knows why there's no real reason why you can figure that out. And then other people find them. And yet I'm spending all this time and money. I have a full-time editor. Paul is a full-time editor who helps me write this stuff. And yet it doesn't get the legs that I think it deserves because I really believe in what I'm writing. I believe in the messages I'm putting out. And so my, my map for my podcast was I want to take topics I've talked about previously and I want to give them another chance to live where people have not heard them. And this goes back to your, one of your original questions, Kathleen. There's so much emotion and tone that you can't put into writing. Like I can say something right now. Like I can say, I love my baby Fox. Like I love him to death. But if you just write that, no amount of exclamation points will make someone feel and have like the chills and like the, the emotion that you have. And so I wanted to take some of these things that I've written and especially some of them that really had some strong opinions. You know, like I, I really believe that entrepreneurship gets just this like gloss over of like anybody can do it, blah, blah. No, anybody can't do it. And it takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of things that people aren't willing to share because it doesn't get good headlines. 
And if I say that with my voice and with my tone, it resonates. And then people go, oh, shit, like this, okay, I get it. I'm not just reading a line and a thing and then, oh, this, what are the other seven steps to becoming an entrepreneur, you know? And so my map is basically this, this show grows my audience, hopefully. It also gives extra life to content that I've written before that I really believe in that I just wish had another chance to get more earballs, I guess, as you would call them on a podcast. Um, and and it, I think it also, podcasting to me, and I've just seen this with Invisible Ops Hours, it brings about unintended opportunities that you never saw coming because you don't know who's listening. And it's a whole new ecosystem of content sharing that anybody can find it and anybody can stumble across it. And you just don't know the unintended consequences that are come of putting your word out there. So sorry I rambled on a long time, but that's my map. I loved it. Amen. What about you, Paul? You do have a map. You know it. I guess. I guess my unintentional map is similar. I repur- a lot of my a lot of the freelancer is articles that I've written that I just want to share a bit more about, and it also like I get paid to repurpose content I've already written that I'm just riffing off of, and then I get paid by my sponsors to basically put that into podcast form. And I find as well that my articles lend themselves to little fights. My show is only like five ten minutes. So it lends itself to those little chunks. Like I'll read just a little bit of it and give a bit more. And I find too that there's a lot of people that, and at first I was like, fuck, people are going to think I'm such a hack for like reading my articles or sharing the same thing that I shared with my mailing list a few weeks later with my podcast. Zero people have complained. Everybody says that they like the fact that they get a slightly different take on it a little bit later once it's stewed in their own brains a little bit. So, yeah, I, a lot of it's repurposing for me, and I get paid to do it by my sponsors, and the, my audience, even though it's slightly duplicated, still still really enjoys it. Uh, well, I was just going to say that one thing that I love about podcasts, one thing that I love about consuming podcasts, and that's probably why I even agreed to do a podcast with Emily, is because I was starting to listen to them. And I think that you should really engage with platforms that you are liking, that you like to be a consumer of. So I found myself going from really reading blogs to moving to my inbox to then digesting podcasts. And one thing that I love about it is I can listen to it in my car. I can listen to it while I'm on a walk. So even with the Braid Method e-course, for example, I found that a lot of people are having a hard time making their way through it. And I don't know if you guys have found this with your courses. So I'm thinking, how are ways I can help people guide people through this? And this applies to any content. And I thought, well, I could just record by audio what I've already said. And it would be just another way of learning. So there are people who are audio learners. There are people who are like they have to actually experience it to learn it. And then there are people that like reading. And I think that giving people all of those different opportunities to digest your content is not a bad thing. That's part of why creative class has done so well is because there's different versions and they're e- once you have the one version it's easy to make the additional versions like for creative class i stripped the audio out of the videos it took two seconds in quick time i just save as audio only and then i had audio lessons for every single lesson yeah, I think I think that's one of the really powerful pieces of podcasting that I like I feel like we accidentally fell into. It's a conversation I've had a whole lot a whole lot recently where people who especially have spent, you know, the past 5, 10, 15 years like doing online business things and sitting in front of a computer are really kind of tired of sitting in front of their computer and they don't want to read blogs anymore and they don't even want to read books on their e-reader like they want to get back to real life. Um and I think that's one of the things that we've tapped into with podcasting that I never anticipated is we're capturing the audience who is not sitting in front of their computer consuming content. We're capturing the audience that is, you know, riding in their car to work or taking walks or working out and like being able to get in people's earballs um, at those times, I think is has been a really powerful accident um, that we've stumbled into in terms of podcasting, because I think um, I think that there is a little bit of a movement of people getting out from in front of their computer screens um, and back into the real world. So if we can like continue to share content and grow our brands and support people in whatever way they need support um, away from their computer screen, then high five. I think that also brings us back to consuming content in a long form way. 
right? So, and I think it helps us create loyal fans whenever we're creating content that they have to listen to for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. For us, it's an hour. Um, I think that that's something really special. And I think that you end up creating almost what feels like a relationship with your listener. Whereas reading, and especially as the years have passed, I'm finding that my attention span whenever I'm on the internet is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, So that's another thing that I think is great about podcasting is you really feel like you get to know who you're listening to. And even for us as people who are podcasting, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but we have a raving community of bosses who are going on vacation with us. They're in a Facebook group. They're having conversations with us. And I think that that's a really special thing that we're getting from podcasting that I don't know that I ever got from my blog. Our audience is actually talking to your audience too. I've seen picture. I saw pictures from Being Boss Miami of Invisible Office Hours listeners together, which I thought was just the coolest thing ever. But I think you brought up a good point where like, I'm not going to sit down and read one thing for an hour, like very rare, maybe before bed if I'm reading a book. But people easily consume 60 minutes of audio. Like it takes me 60 minutes to drive anywhere from where I live. And people... People don't have a like it's it's an easier way to consume, and I think even for the last season that Jason and I did of Invisible Office Hours, like we basically we weren't really hard pitching or selling anything, but people listen to twelve hours of us talking about, of course, books, and then when we launched the product, we sold out. All, we almost sold out of all the founding memberships where people bought our product before they could even see it. They bought lifetime access. And then a few days ago, we released 50 more spots, which are down to, I think we sold 40 of the spots in a, like, half a day. So, and these are all people, like, Jason and I haven't promoted this to our mailing list. We haven't promoted this on social or anything. This is just really the podcast and and its own site. So we wanted to see how well it would do just from that. And it's... It's, it's done really well so far. Yeah, we get tons of feedback from people who talk, uh, like listeners, like especially like our some of our biggest fans who have said that they feel like they're just sitting in a coffee shop with us, just listening to us gab on about whatever it is we're gabbing on about, and that they feel like they're part of the conversation. Like that is a relationship that blog readers very rarely feel with the bloggers whom they're reading. So I think that, I think, again, that sort of powerful piece of like hearing someone's voice speak the words that they're wanting to share creates sort of this, uh, this attachment that, um, that you can't get through most other forms of, um, of content sharing. Um, and then like just being able to like make them your biggest fan so that they like buy into whatever it is that you're creating. If it's something that's for them, I think like that is the power of like the business of podcasting right there. Hi bosses. Running a business online comes with some pretty cool perks. Meeting up with cool folks all over the country, working from a laptop wherever I am and sharing content by just chatting with some pals. We all really are busting our asses, but we're building lives and businesses that we love. Apart from location independence and the connections that I get to make with creatives everywhere, my favorite thing about running a business online is the tools that are at my disposal to make it easy for me to work smarter, not harder. For me and Kathleen, both in our own businesses or together at Being Boss, one of those tools is Acuity Scheduling. Acuity offers scheduling software that automates the hubbub of scheduling meetings with potential clients, new clients, or even friends and new acquaintances. We use it to book client kickoff calls, coaching calls, podcast guests, and more. It saves my team and I hours every week. When someone wants a meeting, we just send them a link and they schedule themselves up based on the availability of our calendars. Easy as pie. Book like a boss, work like a champion. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash boss. Now, let's get back at it. I'm curious how podcasting has affected your guys' business. Are you seeing more money or more opportunities to create new products? Um, tell us what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, if we if we now add in, of course, books sales to our podcast overall, like the just just I would say just Invisible Office Hours. So not even talking about Action Army for me or Freelancer for Paul. 
we are ju- we've just now crossed over making a hundred thousand dollars with the podcast alone. So that's that's across the first season we did nothing. So we just made a podcast, didn't promote a thing, put it out into the internet. Uh, the second season we promoted what was called a bundle of awesome, where Paul and I said, "Hey, we have a lot of products. People listen to this because of us and the things that we make and talk about. Let's bundle them together." Um, we sold that for the twelve week period at a bump sale pricing, which is the one dollar, two dollar, three dollar incremental pricing, um, and that did really well. We wrote a post on that afterwards, and it was basically like forty three thousand bucks that we made in twelve weeks, which was cool. And that was repurposing. Again, Paul talked about repackaging content. You know, we repackaged products as well. And so, you know, the third season we did uh, this, uh, like we did some private episodes. I think we did six episodes, eight episodes. Can't remember. For How Dare You, yeah. Yeah, and then we did the How Dare You, which was a, a course, basically, that you would get about personal branding. And you could buy that throughout the season. And then the fourth season, we had a sponsor, first sponsor we had on the show, Acuity Scheduling, who you guys work with as well. And, of course, books. And so 100000 bucks has landed pretty much in our laps from initially from Skype conversations where we just kind of joked around and then said, well, we should make a podcast out of this. So the opportunity is there. And the one thing that I think everybody was just saying a second ago is accessibility. Like podcasts are so accessible now. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your iPad. You can get it in your car. You can get it on your computer. You can get it you know, streaming through devices on TVs now. It was never like that before. So like to me, the way that I look at podcasting, and we can definitely jump into some more of the like the money stuff, but is that it's it's everywhere. It's just as accessible now as anything else, and so it's the new blog. And I think that there is an opportunity now for anybody to get a microphone or just use your Apple headphones, record on QuickTime on your computer or whatever you want, and upload. And that's it. That's as easy as it is to start a podcast and start making money. And that's all that we do. Like, There's nothing secret. There's no, okay, guys, everyone be quiet. We got to tell them the secret, you know, the secret tunnel that you go through to make money. It doesn't exist, unfortunately. If we knew where that was, we probably wouldn't tell you anyway. But um, <laughs> it's super accessible both on the listenership and on the like making these things exist. Yeah, and we've had four seasons and four different revenue streams, basically. So there's not one there's not one way to make money on podcasting. There's basically however whatever idea you can think of that could potentially work, you could do. Like we repurposed content, we sold a course, we had a sponsor. Like we've done so many different things. Next year we'll probably do something totally different as well, just because we can, because things it doesn't have to just be if this, then that, like, if your show does well, you have to have a sponsor in charge this much CPM. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to work like that. And it's also not as fun to just do it the same way that like industry, industry standards are boring. And you know, what's funny whenever it comes to sponsors, and I do want to talk a little bit more about making money, but I don't think any of us, so we all have sponsors now on our shows. And I don't think that any of us bill our sponsors in a traditional way because I'm pretty sure we're all making more than the standard CPM because we convert because our listeners are super loyal. Our messages are super targeted. Um, okay. But first I'm going to talk a little bit about how podcasting has affected my business. <laughs> Go Kathleen. Well, okay. So Emily and I started being boss with no intention of necessarily making money. We just wanted to have a place to share more content and really maybe, um, expand our personal brands in a way that people haven't experienced yet. And what I found is that it was definitely helping our one-on-one work. As far as braid creative, we were getting a lot of, um, braid method clients out of it and we still do. Um, and maybe if it's not even direct, like a lot of our braid method clients have gone on to listen to the podcast, which I just think, in some ways helps solidify the brand experience in general. Like they don't feel like we did this service for them and then we're like, see ya. They can still listen to the podcast and feel like they're maintaining that relationship with us. Um, so lots of one-on-one work. But then also as far as digital products go, I have definitely increased my sales on the Braid Method um, branding e-course, which has been huge. And then even talking to you guys, you guys are always super generous with your knowledge and advice on how to really you know, hone in or expand or tweak that product to make it more efficient or more sellable. And then Emily and I had no idea that we would be landing sponsors that would be so generous and so supportive. And that alone, accidentally, we ended up accidentally creating a legit business out of being boss. So I think that that was a really unexpected effect of having a podcast on our business. What about you, Emily? What did you, 
What about you and your business and being boss? Yeah, same. I mean, Indie Shopography started getting clients who were coming to us, like fans, like already knew enough about me that they wanted to work with me, but also us too. So we had people coming to us for our Indie Boom offering, wanting to work with Braid and Indie for like a combined Braid Indie Indie Boom um, to like get branding and websites done. So we definitely were converting listeners to like one-on-one clients, which is really great. Um, But then like landing sponsors and also just creating relationships with other brands. So, you know, We've picked up a couple of like affiliate um, relationships along the way that have been really great. So brands that uh, we use and who support us and um, who we can do like there's some like joint marketing and things to benefit both of us. This has been really powerful for us. Um, And then we yeah, digital products. So we decided to bundle up our like email courses together like Kathleen and I both had one we decided to bundle that up and sell it as like a joint being boss product um vacation yeah, say, say events so that's been a big yeah. thing for us that hasn't it's not only made us a little bit of money in the grand scheme of things not as much as things like a digital product or one-on-one services might do but what it has done I think is help us understand the direction and impact of our brand so one of the things that we so we accidentally stumbled upon I think being boss as this thing um but this next year we're wanting to really grow it intentionally but with the same spirit that it was created under so I'm really excited to see where it goes. And we have things in the future, like a lot more digital products, a book, collaborations with guys like you, um, things like that have been so unexpected and so delightful, almost. Delightful is never a word I use, but it feels delightful. It fits. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been really surprised. I mean, we again, we both went into this. Like, obviously, we're entrepreneurs who are, like, good at monetizing. So we're like, yes, we're going to make money on this. I don't know what that looks like yet, but we're just going to do it and see what happens. So we started recording, and, like, we've kind of tapped into multiple revenue streams just within, like, less than a year and a half now. Um, Have tapped into, I mean, easily six, I'd say, different revenue streams for for making money on, like, on sharing content, but also fostering a community, which I think is, um, is such a goal of the online entrepreneur like you are in this space where you have access to anyone and everyone in the world basically and you want to find your people and foster a community like building a community is such a big goal of most of the people that I know you know that listen to this podcast um and I have been blown away by the sense of community that you can create by sharing content in this way and then giving them an avenue to do it the clubhouse like that's another like revenue stream that we've created which was really about like fostering the community of like diehard being boss listeners who wanted to like hang out together and and hear more from us so yeah i think i don't podcasting consistently blows me away that we've like stumbled into this like that little email i wrote you that one day that like podcasting is going to make us famous you have to do this with me <laughs> would have turned like the idea that it would have turned into something like this um it just blows my mind on an ongoing basis and I also like you know look at my Instagram account or like our Twitter accounts or like the being boss Instagram account that we just opened um and those sorts of things and seeing like the social traction that we're able to to gain by just like speaking and publishing um it's just it is delightful. I'll go with so, you there. So I think that the whole point of this, though, is that you can make money in a lot of different ways podcasting, and it doesn't have to look like any certain formula. I know that when I was blogging, I always felt so embarrassed and then spiteful of advertisers and sponsors. So then going into that in the podcasting world, and I don't know what your guys' experiences with this, having just taken on advertisers, um, it's so much more genuine than I thought it was going to be or not as icky as I imagined it being. So there are lots of different ways to make money. You don't have to just have sponsors. It could be that you're trying to sell a product or a one-on-one service and same goes for, and you guys have, um, we talked about newsletters. I feel like we've talked about newsletters. Oh yeah. Whenever we were helping you Paul with chimp essentials, And we did that webinar together talking about how you don't have to have a huge list or a huge audience to make an impact and make a difference. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I feel like being boss kind of exploded 
because we managed to get into new and noteworthy. And then we managed to get into the top charts on iTunes. And we kind of have just been hanging out there ever since. It seems to kind of feed on itself getting in the top charts. But what if you're not in the top charts? And so you guys, I'm not sure like where your rankings are or what your listener numbers are like, but like how does, and I don't think that you have a small audience, but how do you think that having a smaller audience can actually benefit a podcaster? Yeah. I mean, so I'll rattle off the numbers for Invisible Office Hours because I know those pretty well. And then I'll rattle off my numbers for Action Army and then Paul rattle off his and you'll see the, like, the huge difference between the three, I think. So let's start with Action Army because it's the smallest one of the three, which is my personal podcast that goes out every Thursday. And it's new. It's only been around since the end of January. So three months now. And I think that the one thing that you brought up multiple times is you're like, oh, it's blown up. It's blown up. Yes, being boss has blown up, but consistency is like compounding interest. And the more that you put in and the more episodes you do, because this is 75, correct? Imagine where you're going to be with another 75. And it's you put value, you put good things out. So anyway, that's side side note. But, you know, so the Action Army averages about 500 listens or downloads, whatever the number is that you're supposed to care about, um, the day of the episode. And then by the next week, it gets to around 1,000 to 1,500. So that's just the average. Um, I don't have a separate mailing list. I'm basically trying to funnel people to my main list, the Action Army, through that podcast. That is my number one goal. If I have sponsors, that's great. I'm going to actually like try and not do sponsors for a month and do affiliate stuff of things that I really like. Um, so that'll be fun. And ConvertKit, which you guys know and have talked about with Nathan. So it's a, it's a great company. It's a company we all use and love. Um, so that's, that's Action Army. Invisible Office Hours, <laughs> the email list after 48 episodes, of, well, actually about 52 episodes now with little bonus episodes and whatnot, 900 some odd people. So not a whopping size list. Uh, I'll remind you, we've made $100,000 from Invisible Office Hours with a 900 person email list. Um, that show gets about a thousand listens every Tuesday when the episode comes out and we'll trend to about 3000 after a couple weeks. So again, like these are not numbers that you hear. You're like, I can't obtain those. Those are insane. A 900 person email list getting, you know, 500 listens on an episode. I think that's attainable for anybody. And you know, it goes to show, I don't know where my show is in the rankings on iTunes. I've never known. I knew when it was in new and noteworthy because that's something you can easily look and see. But now I, I mean, otherwise I could scroll through, I guess, and look and be like, where's my logo? Where's my logo? Where's my logo? Oh, there it is. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know. So, but Paul, <laughs> yeah, I know your numbers have grown pretty substantially for freelancer and you haven't done anything special. No, I don't even promote my show in any way. I think I mentioned it in my Sunday Dispatches newsletter the last few weeks because I'm not promoting anything else. But yeah, that show is just about at 300,000 downloads and listens, and it gets probably consistently at least 5,000 downloads per episode, and then a bunch more listens than that, but... I don't. I haven't even looked. I'm in Canadian iTunes, so it's like a different. Maybe that's the secret. Everyone should start their show in the Canadian iTunes, and then it just takes off in the American iTunes. Exactly. People are always asking me, like, "Oh, rate my show on iTunes and review my show on iTunes." I'm like, "I will, but it'll be in Canada, and it's not (laughs) going to matter." You're going to be the only review because I will be. I am the only reviewer for all of my friends' shows in Canada, other than I being being boss. You ladies have quite a few reviews on Canadian iTunes. But other than that, like there's there's not really much. Yeah, and I don't I guess I don't even care about the numbers. Like even when I'm pitching sponsors, like I'm not pitching the numbers, I'm pitching like the sphere of influence that I have because I reach an audience that people like, for example, FreshBooks, like they target people who work for themselves but don't want to spend their lives working on accounting software. Guess what? That's my, that is exactly the only people that listen to my show are those exact people. So it's easier to pitch based on the value of the show and the value of the audience to very spe- – so it's easier to pitch, but it's a smaller pool of, of sponsors that you can pull from. But that's okay because those sponsors really, really want the, the audience that you reach. And it doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to be massive numbers to, to work, I don't think, And either. I think that growing your podcast is just like growing anything else. We recently reached a million downloads. Da, da, da. I know. Yeah. So, so awesome. But our numbers aren't far off, um, Paul, from yours. Would you say, Emily? Right. So we get, um, let's see, it looks about 
24 hours after download, about a little less than 4,000 downloads. Um, let's see. We have about 22,000 downloads every week. Actually, more than that. That's just But that's, that's 22,000 like, total, not per episode. Right. I think per episode, right. between yes. 8 and 10,000 downloads per episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... One thing that I just want to mention, though, is that it's not necessarily about the metrics and all the numbers, because even that for us, it might sound like a lot and a million downloads might sound like a lot. And it for sure is is something to celebrate. (laughs) But there are people that have double that, triple that, quadruple that. So, again, just like anything else, it's important to not get like hung up in the metrics game because – Everything that we do, I think, is about building connections and building meaningful relationships and helping people do what they do best, us doing what we do best. It's just about being a creative, right? So one thing that we found has really helped our growth is creating that community. And that community is allowing them to talk to each other. So I was in a, actually, I was in a client meeting this morning, which is funny because I'm not doing as much client work as I used to be doing. Um, but I was in a client meeting this morning. And one thing that they said, they're in an organization is that you can, um, what did they say? Everyone can see each other, but not everyone is being seen by each other. Never mind. <laughs> we should edit that out because I got it all wrong. I wrote it down, but um, that's kind of how I feel about being boss is that our tribe and our creative wolf pack, they're starting to form relationships with each other, even if we're not hands-on with all of them, even if they're not all showing up to the vacations, they're having meetups in their own cities and talking about the podcast. They're sharing it with their friends. And that has been huge. Yeah. That's the same with creative class is the main Slack group are freelancers hiring each other and I have nothing to do. I don't want to be involved in that. I just want to see them like rocket with each other because they're high. Like writers are hiring developers and developers are hiring designers. I'm just like, this is the coolest unintended outcome I could have ever imagined. We're like creating little mini economies like yeah. within our communities, which I think like that is one of the things that I've I've been most pleased with as well with like the creation of our communities. Like in Being Boss Miami, we had people there who had met at Being Boss New Orleans in October and like had met each other there. And then in Miami, we're meeting up again to talk collaborations and hiring each other and had talked about how like they had already worked with each other and like. So literally creating these many communities, these many like economies within the community that we're creating is like, that's legit shit. <laughs> like, that is so I know, awesome. It's funny to think that, okay, however much money we've created for ourselves, how much money have we helped generate for our listeners? That's really fun to yeah. think about. It's crazy. Yep. And, and, and. Another thing, I want to go back to, like, sponsors for half a second, too, in terms of, like, you know, we just shared, like, a bunch of our numbers, and, like, we've all sort of created these relationships with other brands. The thing that thing that has been most exciting for me during the course of this, like, almost year and a half of, of doing this podcasting thing is that this is such a new realm of, like sponsoring community growth like engaging customers and sharing this content that um that like those of us who are getting into it now like get to help define it like for ourselves but also open the doors for everyone else to come in and do it as well so i think like even with fresh books like the first couple of phone calls were like you know how do we do this like what are you doing with other people and they're like well here's kind of what we're doing but what do you guys have in mind like it's all very open conversations and i think to get in on a platform like that where everything is not so hard to find that you get no say in what your relationships look like. Um, being able to get in before that's a thing and hopefully it'll never become a thing with podcasting. Um, I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I think the other like sponsorships are just such a small fraction of how you can make money. And I think we all said that, right? There's so many different ways that you can make money. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's so interesting about podcasting because like a blog, there's only so much space you can carve out on a blog to do interesting things. And I mean, you can get as creative as you want. And I've tried to do some really weird things over the years to make money. But podcasting is one of those where because it's your voice and because you control the message, it can be anything. And you can try anything and you can come up with stuff. And now it just makes me think for Invisible Office Hours, like, Paul, I want to try something super weird for the fifth season, a way to make money. 
Like, I just want to do something that's so different because we can't. Like, why go for another sponsor? Why build another software product? Why do that? Why not try and do something that's just so different? Because you you absolutely have the ability to do it, and you can learn real time as you see it go. Like, what's going on? You know, what's really working? What are people responding to? What what am I seeing people take action with? And I think that's the cool thing for you guys is that you see all these people doing these things, and that's kind of your metric that we all care about. What are people doing that we can actually see that we actually are happy with? That's what matters. Not how many downloads we get, not how many subscribers, not how many, you know, all that stuff. A million downloads, that's the number to celebrate, you know? Ms. Walter said, I couldn't tell you our total number of downloads because it doesn't, it's not exciting. You know, I don't even, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But like getting to those milestones, that to me is just the proof of like, we're doing something that works and that matters. Let's keep doing it. And then how do we feel good about doing that? And I think for anybody listening to this, like to me, that's, that's such a big takeaway for my own like personal podcast too is, am I giving value to the people that are listening? Am I making their lives better in some way? You know, like Kathy Sierra's book, Badass Making Users Awesome is one I talk about so often because how are you making your users, your customers, your listeners, how are you improving something in their life so they can be better or make more money or whatever? And then you get the opportunity to make money while doing that. That's pretty awesome. I think that's a better metric to kind of have in mind too, because I think if you start a podcast because you want to make a hundred grand, it's a slog. Like it would be a slog. And also I think our intentions kind of bleed through whether we want them to or not. So I don't know how many listeners you would get if you're just in it for the money or just in it for the metrics. Whereas if you want to do it because you think you have something to say, and guess what? You have something to say, then it becomes a lot that the process becomes a lot more enjoyable because the outcome, if you're happy with the process and the outcome doesn't matter as much like you're, if the process, if you think that, okay, I want to just give value to the, to the, to anybody who's going to listen to me, then when you're recording it, when you're in the process, you're doing that. So you you basically win as you go, as opposed to, oh, I want to start a podcast because I want to make six figures a year. It's like, well, you're not going to make six figures a year right out of the gate for one. And two, like it's it's takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of like the like the ladies, like it takes so much consistently consistency. Like you are on your seven mid seventieth episode, like that's a lot. That's a lot of episodes, and that's a lot of consistency. I know, and I even remember back on our New Year's episode, whenever I was feeling so bad for not writing a newsletter every week, and Paul, you were like, <laughs> "But you're podcasting every week." <laughs> Exactly. All right. So before we wrap it up, I just want to talk a little bit about the best way to get into podcasting. So for our listeners who are really interested in making this happen for themselves, um, that are wanting to start a podcast, what is everyone's best advice or maybe, you know, one tip that you would give them? I mean, I think it's the least barrier to entry to get started and just to start with something that you feel extremely passionate about. And whatever that is, don't try and do it like serial. Don't try and do it like any podcast that you listen to. Do it in a way that you can do it and you can get it done and that you can do it consistently. Because the least thing you want is, or the last thing that you want, is so many steps that you feel overwhelmed and then you don't even start. And that's where so many people get stuck in all frames of business. Instead, it's just get a simple microphone, like the Rode Lav, Smart Lav microphone. It's like 80 bucks on Amazon. It clips onto your lapel. You plug it into your computer, record through QuickTime. And just record and then upload that to iTunes or to SoundCloud or wherever you want to upload. And then that's it. And make sure it's something that you can do consistently that you don't need a lot of other people's help with. And then let the show grow from there. You know, let the show become segmented and have a lot of different features or call outs or editing or, you know, production. Let that happen. Don't try and do that all in the beginning. But make sure that you're putting something out there that people actually want to listen to and then is bringing value. I start, yeah, I, pretty much the same. Like, I basically wanted for my own podcast, The Freelancer, the lowest barrier to entry. So I was like, I'm just going to see if I can talk for five minutes on a topic, go in a quick time, which is free, record it, and then upload that. And that format actually stuck <laughs> for <laughs> almost a year now. Like, I haven't actually changed anything about that. But I was like, okay, let's just see if I can record four episodes of me talking for five minutes. That's 20 minutes out of my day to try uh, a solo podcast. And it's stuck and I've been consistent with it ever since. So I think, yeah, lowest barrier, like you can get a fancy mic. And if your show was doing well, I definitely suggest getting a fancier mic or a good mic, like the road podcaster, because our first few episodes, it's harder to listen to for me because the quality isn't there, but that 
that can it doesn't stop people from listening to it and you can always invest in your business as your business is growing in revenue anyways you don't need to invest all this money up front you can use your iphone headphones and quicktime you're you don't have to spend a dollar on podcasting agreed so i think i think mine is yeah just recording and publishing but also keeping an open mind in terms of what you want it to do for your business I think I think that we can get a little convoluted with this idea of like yeah I want to go into this and make a hundred thousand dollars or I want to go into this and like grow a million people on my Instagram or you can just go into it and see how adding this this extra content this added value to the realm of like content sharing um, what that can do for your business I think um, if any of us I'm well, I know Kathleen and I went into this with some pretty hard goals um, on multiple levels of what this would look like. And we blew them all out of the water and then hit goals we didn't even know we had. Um, and I think going into something as new as the platform of podcasting with sort of an open mind as to what it could do for your brand or your business or whatever it is that you're wanting to create, um, going into that with that open mind really opens you up to sincerely the unlimited possibilities you have for, for doing a cool thing. Thing with a podcast. And I would add on for you, Emily, kind of what I heard you saying there is to have an open mind, but to also set some goals about why you're doing this and how you want it to impact your business or brand. I think that I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction and say that I think that before you start a podcast, it's really important to understand your point of view and to practice sharing that. So I think that a really great way to start practicing podcasting is by hopping on Periscope. And practice talking into a camera, even though podcasts aren't video typically, but um, and Periscope is, but practice getting on camera and talking. You're going to feel like a spaz. You're going to have vulnerability hangovers. You're not going to say everything perfectly, and that's okay. But what you are going to be doing is honing in on your point of view and sharing it. I think another really great way to get started with podcasting is to be a guest on other podcasts. So that's actually how I started is I started getting so many interviews on a few other podcasts. The podcasters were telling me that their listeners were responding really well um, to those episodes. So it made me feel like, hey, maybe there's something here. If I had not done that first and Emily had pitched me starting a podcast and I was completely unfamiliar with it, I probably would have said, No. So I think that that's another thing. Obviously, people right now are listening to a podcast, so they're familiar with podcasts. But I would say listen to a bunch of different podcasts and start thinking about the different kinds of formats. I know that we're all about doing your own thing, but I do think that there is um, there's something valuable in having some models that you can look at and really decide what would work best for you. All right, you guys. So guess what? Me, Emily, Paul, and Jason have decided to join forces on June 22nd to offer a masterclass on podcasting for your business. So we've decided to join forces to bring you the best, most actionable, and no bullshit podcasting masterclass for business owners. The four of us together have had four successful podcasts, we've generated over $350,000 in revenue, and we've had over 1.5 million episode downloads. So we maybe know a thing or two about podcasting, and we want to teach you how to do it too. We have invested the time and money to figure out what works and what doesn't, and we want to bring you the best three hours you'll ever spend learning about podcasting. And since it's the four of us, we hope it's a little bit fun too. Our goal is to make sure that you come out of this masterclass with a plan to go from podcast idea to publish show that will help your business. We're going to be talking about branding and positioning your podcast. We're going to be talking about creating content, tech audio, systems, automation, launching and marketing your podcast, growing and building fans, and then finally monetizing and maybe even having sponsors. This masterclass is not about teaching you a few well-worn tips for podcasting. It's about helping guide you through launching a podcast that helps and drives your business forward. We've built some really amazing communities and we've made some good money from our podcasts. But most importantly, we've figured out how to create podcasts that are unique to our own personalities, styles, and brands. All right, if you're interested in joining us for this online masterclass on June 22nd, just go to podcastlikeaboss.com, learn more, and sign up there. Again, it's podcastlikeaboss.com. 
We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Please be sure to visit our website at beingboss.club where you can find show notes for this episode, listen to past episodes, and discover more of our content that will help you be boss in work and life. Did you like this episode? Please share it with a friend and show us some love by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. And if you're looking for a community of bosses to help take your creative business to the next level, be sure to check out our exclusive community at beingboss.club clubhouse, where you get access to our closed and very vibrant Slack group, monthly Q&A calls with Kathleen and myself, a book club, and more. Cultivate your tribe and find your wolf pack at beingboss.club clubhouse. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Okay, so we're all recording now. What we're going to do is go around in a circle with wow, we're the number thing. count. Do you guys remember this? I'm so bad Brain at exercises. This. I know. So I'll be one, Emily will be two, Jason will be three, Paul will be four. We're going to go around three times. You guys can do it. I have faith in us. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. Nine. I think that's it. That's good. Okay. <laughs> also, good. you didn't tell me I was going to be seven. I thought I was going to be three again. <laughs> stress. 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 See, yeah. and I don't, like, sometimes I wonder if maybe I'm a bad teacher, like, in the way that I explain how to count. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, none I of us are saying anything. So. Yeah, I think you're adequate. I can't imagine how you could say that any better. <clears throat> it's fine. Thanks. You That's the it. nicest thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> you're, you're adequate. I'm adequate. You're adequate. <laughs>